Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. Are you a business owner looking for help with HR benefits and payroll? MWG Employer Services offers a wide range of services and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. I was so overwhelmed with HR stuff. MWG Employer Services took all the stress out of it and even set up my payroll. I couldn't be happier. MWG Employer Services is here to help you succeed. Call us today at 601-206-7966 or go to mwgemployerservices.com. You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Good Tuesday afternoon, Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV. Thanks, as always, for being with us in the Pearl River Resort studios. Pearl River Resort, home of the sportsbook at the Golden Moon Casino. To learn more, visit them online at pearlriverresort.com. Love to hear from you this afternoon on the C Spire text line. The number is 601-879-4395. Give your business the edge with gigabit fiber internet from C Spire Business Learn more, go to cspire.com slash business. we got a leadoff hitter this afternoon. Kendall Rogers joins us earlier than normal and was kind enough to work with uh, a mess-up that I made. Uh, Kendall from D1 Baseball, d1baseball.com, joins us on the Farm Bureau guest line. Kendall, uh, two weeks left. Two weeks left in the regular season. Let, let's start at the bottom, and then we'll work our way up from there. Three teams playing for the last spot in the SEC tournament. Missouri at 7 and 17, Ole Miss and Mississippi State both at 6 and 18. Both Missouri and Mississippi State have tiebreakers over Ole Miss. Of those three teams, who ends up with the final spot in Hoover? Uh, I will go with either Missouri or Ole Miss. I'll probably lean Missouri, but I mean, the, the the team I have the least amount of confidence in, just because I, I look at the remaining schedule for me, is Mississippi State. I just think when you look at uh, at, at you know LSU, obviously I don't that doesn't look very promising. Uh, then they have A and M at home the final weekend. I mean, obviously A and M is one of those teams you have no idea what to expect on a given weekend. But you know, the last time they went on the road, uh, other than the Arkansas series, you know they won a series with Kentucky. I actually thought they played really well over the weekend against Florida. So you're kind of catching the A&M at a bad time. They're, you know, I would think they would win the Alabama series at home. So you're catching A&M at a bad time. So I would say of those three teams, like Mississippi State is probably the team I have the least amount of confidence in, just, mainly just because of the schedule. I think all three of those teams aren't very good. But I just think, look at that remaining schedule. I'm like, ooh, it looks rough. There's a little bit of crossover in terms of the three of them with opponents over the final three weeks. Missouri's got Georgia at home, and then they go to Auburn to close it out. Ole Miss with yeah. Auburn and then Alabama, Mississippi State, obviously with LSU and Texas A&M, really difficult assignment. So we'll see how that plays out. Uh, I guess it was a week ago today when we first got the word that there was something going on with Alabama baseball, and then a couple of days later in the week we get the decision that Brad Bohannon is out. I, I don't know that there's anything necessarily new in the story. Here's what I'm curious about. 
Alabama has, not, not for a good reason, but they have an opportunity to reset the direction of their program. And it's a program that's been very average yeah. since Jim Wells. Is this the point where Greg Byrne and Alabama finally say, let's get serious about baseball, we're going to pay real money, and that's not to knock what they were paying. I know it's a big salary for the majority of the world, but in comparison to the rest of the SEC, not so much. Is this the point where Alabama says we're going to get serious? I think it needs to be. I mean, if you look at it from Alabama's perspective, uh, if they're not going to do it this go-around, they're probably never going to do it. Because when you look at their situation, uh, you know, Brad Bohannon, he's being investigated for something pretty serious. Uh, they're probably getting out of a buyout with Bohannon. So they're not going to have to pay a buyout, more than likely, unless he has an outrageously good lawyer. And that puts you in a situation where you might have a little bit more cash to spend, uh, you know, as opposed to, you know, being in a situation where, you know, you're having to pay a guy you know, four or five hundred thousand dollars to buy his contract out. So, I think when you look at Alabama, I, I, I do think Greg Burns is going to spend money. Uh, everything I've heard is that he's that they're ready to actually spend some money on baseball in terms of making a premier coaching hire. The question will be like, who you know, who can they attract? Can they finally get you know somebody like you know Cliff Godwin to, to leave the, you know East Carolina to go back to the SEC? I don't think that's the job for him. I think there's a better one out there for him in the SEC. But, uh, you know, can they lure somebody like him? You know, is, is Justin Herrick Campbell a guy that they take a look at? Do they do they go see, you know, Dan McDonald? Uh, Louisville's had some really bad luck this year with some injuries over the last few weeks. Uh, they may not make the NCAA tournament. You know, does, does, you know, Alabama, you know, look at Dan and go, hey, you know, the word on the street is that you'd like to be in the SEC, which is, uh, which is true. Like, he would, he's kind of always aspired for an SEC job. And is this the time that, you know, you decide to spend money and go, hey, why don't you come to the SEC? Why don't, why don't you become kind of the legend in the Alabama baseball program? Why don't you be our saving in baseball? So uh, I, I think they actually had some really intriguing candidate options, again, if they're willing to spend money. So why do you think Dan McDonald turned Mississippi State down a couple of years ago? Because he didn't want to coach in the same state with his friend Mike Bianco, there's got to be more to it than that. Yeah, I mean, I think he was in a different spot. I mean, from talking to okay. Dan in the last couple of years, he, uh, you know, he has not been ultra pleased with the ACC. He's been very vocal, uh, actually, been public about some of the things he's been annoyed with the ACC, particularly the league kind of fighting for the teams in that conference and whatnot. So I think that I think the the goalposts have moved for him a little bit when it comes to the ACC. Uh, you know, the question here, you know, the question then becomes to me, if, you know, if I'm, you know, Mississippi State or someone else or Georgia, and I hear that Dan McDonald has serious interest in Alabama, you know, do I go, uh, you know, do I, do I expedite changes to potentially bring him in? With that said, uh, he's not going to Mississippi State if they get rid of Chris Lamonis. Like, that's just not going to happen. So the only other option for him would be Georgia, uh, other than Alabama and the SEC. Yeah, and I've always thought that that's a Georgia job that should be better than it has it's been. It should job. have more consistent success than it uh, and than it has had. So uh, we'll see. Um, you, you bring Mississippi State up. They obviously made a change of pitching coach with Scott Foxhall mm-hmm. last week. We couldn't decide, and, and we've debated it a lot, whether or not that was okay. You're going to make that change, and then Chris Lamonis has got another year to kind of get things moving in the right direction. But... If they lose 13 straight, and, and that would be getting swept this weekend and next weekend to close it out, 13 straight to yeah. lo- you know to close out the league, 
Do you get any sense whatsoever what Zach Selman might be thinking? Because we have no sample size for how Zach Selman is going to handle a situation like this. Well, what we know about Zach Selman is that he has yet to make a big splash. Uh, and, that, and that's not his fault. I'm just saying, like, he hasn't been in a position in Mississippi State just yet to make a massive splash. And every new AD known to man uh, wants to make a big splash. And this could be his opportunity to do that. With that said, I have not seen a college baseball coaching change you know, occur three weeks after they just fired their pitching coach. Like, typically it's one of those things where, you know, kind of reading the tea leaves, it's like, hey, it's either you or this guy. You know, this this will be your one shot. This will be your one mulligan. They get rid of Scott Foxhole, and typically you kind of move on and go, uh, okay, you have one more year. Let's go find a new pitching coach. Let's get this thing turned around. The problem you run into is they got rid of Scott Foxhole, and granted, nothing's ever an overnight fix. They get rid of Scott Foxhall. The pitching staff still stinks over the weekend. And like you said, they have a really tough remaining schedule. So it's kind of one of those things like, okay, we got rid of the guy we think might be the problem, and we just continue to get obliterated. So at that point, I could see Zach Selman looking at it and go, you know what, maybe I should just pull the plug on this thing. Like, yeah, you know what, three weeks ago I thought, let's just get rid of our pitching coach. But you know what, if we think we can go out and get one of these big names, and we can change the trajectory of this program immediately, let's go do it. Because here's the thing, in the transfer portal era, if Mississippi State has robust NIL sitting there, and they have a bunch of alums that are willing to say, hey, man, you know, if you make it, and again, I hate to even talk about this, because I love Chris Lamonis, but like, if you have you know, all these boosters going, hey, man, we'll put a bunch of money in this deal, you know, NIL-wise, if you make a move. Well, today's portal, A&M has shown it, South Carolina showed it this year, if you get a coach in there who has a bunch of money in, tra- in the transfer portal, like Mississippi State, like the talent level is not bad. Uh, they could turn that thing around in a year. The question will be, A, do they think Chris Lamotis can go out and hire a big-time pitching coach? B, if he can't, like who can they bring in that's willing to uh, take that job? And I think they would obviously have a lot of really good candidates. Um. Quick thought, Kentucky, were they the most surprising team last weekend with the weekend that they had against South Carolina, and have they have they locked up a host side? I mean, I know they're 14-10, and 10 and they can't go in the tank for the final six games. We've talked about how difficult their schedule is down the stretch. What, what are they going to do still at this point? Yeah, it's kind of funny. Like, I, I kind of used this phrase yesterday on a radio show, but, like, Kentucky lost four straight series, and it's like sweeping South Carolina – kind of washed away their sins, so to speak. Like, you know, now that they swept South Carolina, like nobody cares that they lost four straight series. So it's funny how quick your situation can change. And really, when you look at Kentucky now, you know, they're 14 and 10 in the league. Um, They they don't have an easy schedule to finish up with. But if they can go three and three in those final two series, they'll have a top five RPI. They'll have great metrics across the board. Like if they can go three and three the next two weekends, which is a tall task, uh, with with Tennessee and you know Florida on the menu, uh, I mean they're they're a slam dunk top eight uh, right now. They're a host, but that would make them a slam dunk top eight if they go three and three in these final two weekends. And again, this is a team that we I thought would lose th- uh, seven straight series, and now we're going. Hey, they just need to go three and three the rest of the way to be a top eight. Fifteen seconds. Do you think Tennessee plays themselves into a host, or are they going to be a nasty number two seed? I think they're going to be a nasty number two seed. I think they're going to fall just short. And by the way, they're two and eleven on the road. There's not a committee in the world that's going to look at that record on the road and go, "Yeah, let's make them a host." Yeah. 
Well, and yet you look at it and you go, okay, maybe there's no pressure if they go on the road in a regional. So we'll see how it plays out. Great stuff today, Kendall. Thanks for joining us and for being flexible. Yeah, you got it. Be good. Kendall Rogers, D1 Baseball. A lot of good stuff there. We'll talk about some of what he said when we come back. This is Sports Talk Mississippi. Your number one for sports talk. Anyone? 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 Come on, don't be shy. Sports Talk Mississippi. Bingo, man, bingo. Super Talk Mississippi. I don't know that we've ever finished talking to a guest, and I've immediately texted him and said, hey, can we call you back? I've got one more thing I need to ask you about. But Kendall Rogers is a good guy, and he agreed for me uh, for us to call him right back so that I could ask him about the Southern Mississippi Golden Eagles. I intended to do that, and we ran out of time because I got long-winded on questions. So, Kendall, 10 straight wins for the Golden Eagles. Yeah. RPI at 23, 24, somewhere in there. Manageable final six games against ULM and Louisiana. Sitting at 32 wins right now. We've talked about them the last couple of weeks as possibly a two seed if they have to go to Baton Rouge. Can they host? What have they got to do to host? Well, I'm glad we get to talk about the best team in Mississippi. Um, well, yeah. I, I think you look at Southern Miss. I, I, I really like the resume at this point. Uh, they're right there for me with teams like Dallas Baptist and whatnot, uh, right there in the mix, who, by the way, they have a series win over Dallas Baptist, so they're ahead of those guys in the pecking order. But when you look at their winning streak, you look at the fact they're you know tied atop the Sun Belt with Coastal Carolina. Uh, Coastal Carolina right now would be a top 16 based on that head-to-head win over Southern Miss. So, in essence, they're not quite a top 16, but they are right there. I mean, they, they basically, in my opinion, control their own destiny. I think teams like Tennessee that are in the mix, Oregon State, Texas, teams like that, they have a lot to do. I think Southern Miss doesn't really have a lot to do. I think if they win the final two weekends, and play really well uh, in their conference tournament, I, I think they're a really good shot to be a, a regional host. So so we were playing around with that yesterday, and the truth of the matter is there's not a formula where it's like, if you do this, then this happens, because it doesn't happen in a vacuum, right? You can't control what right. happens all over the rest of the country. It, it feels like they can't afford a slip-up against ULM, like, like they've got to sweep. Yeah. If they were to sweep ULM this weekend – and then take two of three from the Raging Cajuns. And then mm-hmm. let's just say they get to Saturday or Sunday in the Sun Belt t- Tournament. So that puts them right at 40 wins. I- mm-hmm. Is that the the magic threshold for, for Southern Miss? Yeah, I mean, that would put them in really good shape. But I'm glad you mentioned it because it, is, it isn't in a vacuum. And, you know, you can look at the SEC, for instance, and there are two teams in Auburn and A&M that if they won their final two series and made a big run in Hoover, both of those teams could get in the mix for a host side. So as of right now, if they did what you just said, I think there would be an outstanding shape to host of the top 16. But, again, uh, you know, things can change. Oregon State could go up to 20 or 21. East Carolina could just go bonkers in the American tournament and be at 16 or 15 in the RPI, and all of a sudden they're hosting. I mean, look at Kentucky last week. They weren't even the top 16. Suddenly – like, they're right on the bubble for being a top eight. So things can change that quick, but as of right now, I think USM looks to be in pretty good shape. Like, I, I, I'm a believer in that team right now. I feel like I'm doing a bait and switch on you, so forgive me for asking you one more question. But since I've got you, um, sure. is Stanford the only coast, a host on the West Coast? 
Uh, uh, right, Oregon State makes a run like you were talking about? Yeah, as of right now, I mean, Oregon was in a good spot, but Oregon goes on the road and loses a series to USC. Their Friday guy's injured right now. I don't know what his status is going to be this weekend. Uh, Oregon State, you know, we talk about how the RPI can change so quickly. Uh, Oregon State was in was in pole position last week, and they lost one game of a three-game series at home to Utah, and they dropped a 32. So hmm. they're out right now. So the magic number really – for, for those of you kind of keeping track at home, the magic number really is like 24 or better in the RPI. If you're 24 or better in the RPI, you've got a shot to host. Uh, if you're behind that number, uh, you've got an uphill, you know, uphill battle to get a host because as of right now, no one with an RPI below 24 has ever hosted in the top 16 seed era, which, by the way, is only a few years old. We know the committee likes to make this as national as they can. Is there a scenario where we get two regionals in the Northeast, where both Boston College and yeah. UConn end up hosting? You could. I mean, right right now, uh, I feel pretty good about one of those teams hosting. I don't feel great about both of them hosting. I think BC, for instance, they're just one game over 500 in the ACC. I know they have a great RPI. But uh, I, I think at the end of the day, when the dust settles, I think one of those two teams hosts. And uh, it'll be interesting. You know, we were just talking about Tennessee in the last segment. Imagine if, like, Tennessee went to Boston College or UConn. Would, would anybody pick the host school in, those, in that situation? No, probably not. Probably not. Hey, last one, Campbell? Can Campbell actually host? Yeah, I mean, they're, they're, for me, Southern Miss is well ahead of them. But, I mean, they're up to 20 in the RPI. But I just don't think – I mean, when you look at their overall resume, like there's not a lot of meat on the bone. They didn't do a lot in non-conference. I do think they're a really good team. Like I think they're going to rank well in the eye test with the committee. But uh, to me, for me, they're behind those other teams. I just – you know, when you're when you're taking a series from UNC Asheville and, you know, schools like that in, in the you know, each weekend, like that's just way different than what, you know, teams do in the SEC or, frankly, light years away from what a team's doing in the Sun Belt. Kendall, thanks so much for jumping back on with us. Uh, I think you have given Southern Miss fans in particular something to kind of chew on a little bit, and there is a whole lot of hope for the Golden Eagles if they continue to play the way that they've been playing. Thanks so much, my man. You got it, brother. Be good. Kendall Rogers, D1Baseball.com. Great to be with you this afternoon, and good to visit with Kendall on the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. Uh, we need a bell. Shame. Ding, ding. Shame. Trying to get us in trouble, man. Shame. Just, ding, ding. And, and we would bear the brunt of that, not of yours. It'd be us. No, yeah, I know you would. I, I know you. And it's my fault, right? I should have gotten to Southern Miss sooner, but it's like I heard the music start, and it's like I know we can't start a new topic on this. Let's finish it up. And then Kendall was gracious enough to come back. And uh, frankly, you got a good bit more from Kendall on uh, on Southern Miss than if yeah. it just been squeezed in the other part of the interview. So, hopefully, that was uh, still that complained. was good. Oh, yeah. don't worry, the the haters. Yeah. All of, oh wait, hold on, Richard couple Homer of, couple of Cross haters was too busy oh, slobbering go. over the SEC. I know it hit him in the gut when Kendall said he would be glad to talk about the best team in Mississippi. Yeah, that uh, wait. That- I, I thought I agreed with Kendall when he said that. You did. Oh, but no, it hurts you. Deep down in your soul, you are so hurt to talk about somebody that I think you would consider a friend, Scott Barry's team. Yeah, I was going to say, if I thought their head coach was a turd, maybe? It, 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 deep in your soul. Like, I just, I, I've lost count of how many times that I, I've said, not only is Scott Barry a great baseball coach, but he's one of the best people that I know. 
Anyway. And, and a little public service announcement. When to Certain people need to hear this. If you scream and use inappropriate language, let's call it that, because you feel like your team's not covered enough, and then when your team gets covered, your response is, I don't want to listen, you're a child. You're a petulant, immature child. When you get what you ask for and you still complain, my three-year-old handles things better than that. He is more emotionally mature than you. You know, James kind of makes our day every morning. Hey, Dad and I have gotten to the point where we feel better about life after our morning call. Not, Borky, because we get to spend time with you, but because when you answer the phone, if he's in the room, he's like, Mr. Richard! Mr. Brian! And it's like... Yes, the day been good. James! James, man! What's up, dude? I'm going to record the whole rundown. Because so far, I've got... What do the Saints say? I don't know how to ask him, like, other than that, to get him to say who dat. Uh, I've got where, what they say, where they play, what their colors are, the starting quarterback, running back, wide receiver, linebacker, defensive end, safety, defensive back. He can yeah. name them all. Well, and this morning, we were talking about college football on the call. And I don't remember if it was I, – I think I just like made some reference randomly to wide receiver, and all of a sudden from the other side of Borky's office you hear, Olave! <laughs> I was like, all right. It is. This is, uh, this is what it is. Hey, C Spire text line is open to you, 601-879-4395. Uh, that's the best way for you to get in touch with us, whether you're looking for wireless solutions Business IT solutions or fiber to the home, Ceasefire's got you covered. Check them out online at ceasefire.com. Top 30 in the RPI currently. I, I'm sorry, we should pause for a second. Hey guys, how's it going today? It's good, really good. It's great. The underrated sports calendar. I know Ooh. Ole Miss and State are stinky, and that's not fun, but hey, at least there's one. We've got some postseason hope, but I mean, with basketball playoffs and hockey playoffs and Major League Baseball going and schedule release coming out on Thursday and, and rookie mini camp starting this week, as just a consumer of sports, you, you don't talk about the hey. second week of May as like great sports time, but this is a great sports time. So you said rookie minicamp uh, starting later. Haven't some of them already started? I feel like I've already have. seen a picture of Anthony Richardson in Colts gear throwing a football. Yeah, I think the Saints start Thursday. But okay. yeah, yeah, you've already I'm seen going, some of that. I'm going to go a step further with, with sports anticipation. I don't know if you two have checked your email today. I don't know if you got one, but I got an email today that said, your credentials have been approved for SEC Media Days. And yes. I was like... Yeah! Which, by the I, I way... I was at lunch, and I was just like, this makes me so happy. We can say uh, officially that we will be there all four days. Now, yeah. I mean, we always go all four days, but got the confirmation today that Monday through Thursday we will be there. Yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, oh, I Kiffin's on the last day. That's exactly Happy right. birthday, Lane, by the way. Come on the show. Celebrate with us. <laughs> Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm. We'll be right back. More Sports Talk Mississippi. Hey, it's go time. Sports Talk Mississippi. Well, say something. Super Talk Mississippi. (laughs) 
Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV. Yesterday, Brian Haydad told you how much fun he had at the uh, Starkville Derby, the uh, the Wiener Dog Race and the thousands of people. What he didn't tell you is that uh, over the weekend, he officially reached celebrity status. Okay. Hey, Dad, you are now signing yeah. autographs? Uh, somebody asked for an autograph uh, Saturday, yes. Well, what was the, uh, tell me more about this situation. Uh, I was just walking out after the uh, the press conference. Me and uh, Joel Coleman were walking out talking. And uh, this this the dad stopped me. The kid had the ball. He was waiting on players, I guess. And uh, the, the dad's like, now, Brian, Brian, sign his ball for him. I was like, are you being serious? And he said, "Yeah." So, I signed the ball. Was your was your autograph legible? I mean, it's just my signature, which I don't know if it's legible or not. So, I would like to see that guy's stock portfolio. Probably buying all <laughs> kinds of things that are depreciating in value. <laughs> just ruined a perfectly good <laughs> baseball. Hey, hey, Dad, have you ever heard jealousy out loud before? I, hey, I think I've signed an autograph too. <laughs> I think you just heard it. I've signed an autograph too. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. It was high school though, but yeah. Oh, like after a high school football game or something, or yeah. a golf tournament, or what? High school football game, yeah. Ah, goodness. Okay. Did, did it a? It, not that I was special. Uh, a bunch of us did it after every game uh, our senior year. There'd just be kids waiting for us. Our locker room was up, up a hill behind the stadium. It wasn't field side. It was up a hill, and kids. We were really good my senior year, and, and after every win, kids Your would line up on the street. Run down the hill would... as fast as he could. Uh, in no. front of y'all, and then y'all ran down the hill behind them? No, we actually did a uh, the, an in-stadium entrance. Since the locker room was up kind of behind the stadium, up like attached to the school, we actually entered the stadium through the stands, and like the student section oh, was okay. split between us. And so, yeah, he Doug Shaw didn't get the chance to uh, make it all about himself when his team was taking the field like Dabo does. But, mm. yeah, you know, after every win, we'd sign a bunch of autographs. All right, so Useless hey, Dad, things, those did, did you like... You know, get down on the kid's level and talk to him a little bit, or were you just did you just kind of big time him and like scribble on his ball and no, walk off? I, I spoke to him and I thanked him and uh, I said I appreciated it. But thank you, young man. If you found yourself in a situation where a fan of this show or a fan of Mississippi State or a fan of your podcast um, was not the child variety, was a uh, a grown person. Who wanted you to autograph um, skin? Would you do that? Not on a dude. Yeah. Okay. So so let's say it's a female. Would you? Would yeah. you? Would you? Okay, you would sign. Yeah. I mean, because at that point, now now we're in. I'm in the same level as like rock stars, right? That's something rock stars do. Okay. So yeah, how how could I turn that down? Yeah. Yeah. It would be really any- weird. Are there any areas that are yeah. off lit? Ah, maybe we shouldn't go there. Maybe, we, maybe we'll just we'll just stop right there. Subscribe to our Patreon for after dark content. Oh jeez. Oh goodness. Ceasefire text line available to you at 601-879-4395. Somebody said, "Okay guys, if you're going to Hoover, I've got a glove for you to sign." Well, let's see who's in Hoover. Let's uh let, let's see because yes, the the forever plan is for Sports Talk Mississippi to be in Hoover. But last year we got thrown for a little bit of a loop with only one of the two teams there and not there very long, and so that ended up being a, a very short stay. Let, let's let's figure out who's going to be in Hoover 
and uh, we'll get back to you on that. But I would encourage you, if you have never been to the SEC baseball tournament, now it's more fun when your team is there and they're playing well, but if you've never been, it's a great event. You should absolutely go. You should absolutely go. Um, all right. Who's going to host? Who's not going to host? Borky, this is on your mind. Yeah, so let's uh, let's categorize each one. Gar- so I, we'll, we'll go through the RPI. You tell me if this team is guaranteed to host. Guaranteed, regardless of what happens over the next three weeks. They are going to host. Teams that are likely to, but they can't lose out. On the hosting bubble or definitely not? So those are the four categories. Guaranteed, likely, on the bubble, probably outside looking in but have a shot, and mm-hmm. there is no shot whatsoever they will not be hosting this year. Okay. And, of course, starting with number one, Kentucky. They are number one in the RPI. Kendall said they're guaranteed as a top 16 and could very well play themselves into a top eight. But I see them sitting at 14 and 10. And they've got a difficult remaining schedule over the, was it Tennessee and Florida? I think that's who they've got for the final two weekends. Either Tennessee, Florida, or Tennessee, South Carolina. I can't remember. Um, I don't think they can go 0 and 6. They just beat South Carolina. Oh, that's right. Well, whoever it is that they've got the last weekend. I don't think right. they can go 0 and 6. But anything outside of that, yeah, I think with their RPI where it is, their strength of schedule where it is, Kentucky is, they're probably as close to being a lock that is not actually a lock as there is, in my mind. Yeah, if if 15 and 15 for sure is a host, and then when you start getting into having a winning conference record with their RPI and their strength of schedule, yeah, now that's a top eight resume. So... Yeah, yeah they got if, they, if they can win the two, more, two weeks, if they can win two more games, if they can finish mm-hmm. sixteen and fourteen in the conference. They're, they're top eight. Yeah, yeah. All right. Who's next? Wake Forest number two. Good story that Wake Forest Demon Deacon baseball team. Yeah, they're good. Right, they're thirty nine and they're seven, and they've got eighteen ACC wins. And they're number two in the RPI, and they've got a top 30 strength of schedule. Yeah, I think Wake Forest is a lock. I'm not ready to lock, lock anybody lock into top eight. Top eight. Ooh. They're as close as you can be. Yeah, but hey, Dad, I just don't see anybody that can lose their final six games of the year and hold on to a top but we eight have to have a We have to have a little common sense about this. This team has lost seven games all year. Okay. They're not going to finish 0-6. Okay. All right, so yeah, Wake Forest top eight. Yeah. South Carolina. Locked to host, likely a top eight. Yeah. Yeah, that's what's exactly correct. Man, this weekend hurt for South Carolina. Yeah, it did. It did. It did. Arkansas. Locked Um, to host. Locked to host. I, I mean, yes, they could get to a top eight. I think they've still got work to do, though. They do. They do. Vanderbilt. Same. S- same thing. Yeah. yeah I think Van- Vanderbilt could play it. Vandy could play itself all the way into like the number three overall seed. But they could also finish as the 13 seed. Duke. <sighs> Probably going to host. Yes. Not a top eight. 
Boston College. Don't they have a new stadium at Boston College? The old one uh, hosting a regional there would have been something. Yes, I thought what Kendall said about Boston College was interesting. And, and I tend to agree that it's one or the other. It's either Boston College or UConn. And I thought what he said about Boston College and their ACC record, they're only one game above five. All right, so Wake Forest, we were talking about a second ago. They're 18-5 and five in the ACC. That's a gaudy conference record. Boston College is 14-13 and 13 in the ACC. I think Boston College is likely to host... But I do not think they are a lock right now. So, what, what, like, can we call them Bubble Plus? Bubble Plus. Uh, additional sure. category. That makes sense. Here's the first one where we're going to have to think about it. Indiana State at 9 in the RPI. Nope. No. Not hosting. No so chance. 0% chance, no, no, no shot no. whatsoever. No, they're, they're bubbly. Zero, I mean, they're going to be talked about. But I go back to what I said yesterday. 17 of their games are quad four opponents. Now, they've won 16 of those 17, but the strength of schedule, eh, and the metrics are actually pretty good for Indiana State. They've got a number 44 strength of schedule and a number 11 RPI. Maybe I'm selling Indiana State short. I I don't think so because the Missouri Valley is not a very good league. But I don't know. They've kind of gone out and done what they needed to do and just won a bunch of games. Small, small venue there, as you can imagine. Looks like they would have uh, the space to bring in temporary stands and stuff if attendance is uh, a factor. The Sycamores. The Sycamores, home of uh, who? Everybody knows this. Highest overrated NBA player of all time. Oh, you're crazy. Uh, Virginia at 10. (sighs) I mean, how many ACC are we? 12 or 13. Well, I mean, Wake is a lock, and then it's just, I don't know. But they, they if they were the 12 or 13, I wouldn't be overly surprised. But but again, Virginia's in that deal like where they get just a pretty average league. They need record. to win some games. They're 13 and they 11 in games. the ACC. Yeah, if they finish strong, they're hosting. Right. Southern misses. Did we skip LSU? Oh, we did at four. Yeah, we skipped LSU at four. My bad. But I think, LSU I think was a, that a top eight lock. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Top eight lock. Uh, Southern Miss's main adversary in their quest for the Sun Belt Championship, Coastal Carolina at 11. By the way, D1's um, RPI and Warren Nolan are not exactly the same. They've got Coastal Carolina at number nine in the RPI. See, this I got from the NCAA's website. So. Oh, well, there you go. Ho- they uh, use D1. So, um, Coastal Carolina is hosting. They are not going to be a top eight. Let's pick yeah, this up when we that. come back. We'll finish this list off. Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV. It's time for more Sports Talk Mississippi. Finally. Finally. On Supertalk Mississippi, the Supertalk app, and at supertalk.fm.
Sports Talk Mississippi is brought to you in part by M-Trade Park in Oxford. You can find them online at mtradepark.com, but that's just where you get started. M-Trade Park in person is a sight to see. 14 fields of synthetic turf, infields, natural grass, outfields, plus the soccer fields, plus the indoor hitting facility, and they are growing every single year. Huge tournaments that are happening this weekend. It's U-Triple-S-A baseball. You've got soccer next weekend. Uh, I'm sorry, a fast-pitch tournament next weekend. And then back to U-Triple-S-A baseball the final weekend of uh, the month of May. Big, big stuff coming in June as well. We will tell you more about that as we get a little bit closer. But in the meantime, if you were involved in the scheduling of your son or daughter's team, whether it's baseball, fast pitch, or soccer, be sure to check out M-Trade Park for the tournaments that are coming up and make your plans to play at M-Trade. So if you're going to play, play M-Trade, mtradepark.com. All right, so we're getting into the part of kind of the RPI Top 30 where it's like, okay, not everybody can can host because we've gone through the top 10 or so in the RPI. It's like, yes, 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 probably yes, yes. Borky, now we're moving into that part of the list where it's like, oh, we got to make some decisions. Now we're at Florida. Okay. Yes, 12. they're hosting. Florida will host but not be a top eight. I, think. I agree with that. Clemson is, uh, as they said in Zoolander, so hot right now at 13. Playing great baseball lately. Did not always play great baseball this season. No, they lost, what, two or three to South Carolina early in the year. They won the first game and then lost in Columbia and in Greenville. They were like 16 and 13 at one point, I think. And what, what a job that Eric Package has done um, in his first year. Eight and two in their last ten games. They've won four straight uh, playing good baseball. They're going to close it out with Virginia Tech on the road and North Carolina at home. I, I, I tell you this. North Carolina, that final weekend of the regular season, is the determining factor on whether Clemson hosts or not. If they win their final two series on the road against Virginia Tech and at home against North Carolina, they will host. If they don't, then probably not. Stanford at 14. Yep. We'll host. you got to have somebody on the West Coast. They'll host. Yep. So now we're, we're getting in there because you've only essentially eliminated two teams here. And we're at 15, and that's Miami. Who have we eliminated? We've eliminated Indiana State and... Clemson. And Clemson. Yeah. You can eliminate Miami. Miami's not hosting. Oh, even with the cool milkshakes? No. Yeah, no here's great. Even with all that rain? <laughs> I mean, you remember how it's much it rained last year? There was a real scenario that people had to consider that Miami would just have been moved on if the hurricane came like a Ooh. day later. I mean, wouldn't that have been something? Oh, man. <laughs> Shut up, hey, Dad. Just wipe that smarmy look off your face. We were so close. <laughs> West Virginia at nah. 16. Nah. Nah. No chance. UConn. Interesting one there. Again, it goes, do they want a northeast regional between them and Boston College? What One of those two. What One of those two. Yeah. U- UConn has remaining on its schedule. They've won eight of their last ten games. They've got, ooh, I don't know. I, 
They've got Hofstra, Butler, Rhode Island, and Creighton remaining. Creighton is the best RPI team left on their schedule at 111. I don't, I mean, you win all of them, and they very well could. I want to pull for UConn. I just, I don't know if I see that with that schedule left. Yesterday, you eliminated Alabama and NC State. Is that yes. still the case? Okay, yeah. so 18 yes. and 19 are out. Oklahoma State at 20. Nah. Yeah, but you know, with Oklahoma State, you're talking about a part of the country where there's not a lot of representation, and maybe they'd like to get something in the Midwest. I don't know, man. The College World Series is in the Midwest. They'll be fine. That's a good point. The Big 12 is not great in baseball this year, and Oklahoma State's 11 nah. and 7. They got a great ballpark. Ooh, they got a good ballpark. Uh, Oklahoma State, by the way, closes out the season with games against Kansas State, who's 55 in the RPI, and Oklahoma, who is 42 in the RPI. That gauntlet that is Big 12 baseball includes back-to-back weeks in which Oklahoma State didn't play a conference series. They went to Michigan in the final weekend of April, and in the first week of May, they hosted East Tennessee State. No wonder Oklahoma and Texas are leaving. What are we doing? I guess if you got 10 teams and not everybody plays baseball? Yeah. Eh, I don't know, man. So Southern Miss has got some jumping to do, is what we've but, learned from this exercise. But I think they can do it. They can do it. They can play themselves in. They can make their resume so compelling that they can't be told no. We'll talk some NFL football when we come back with John Harris from the Houston Texans and the Texans Radio Network on the Farm Bureau Guest Line. This is a place for crazy people. If it's sports in Mississippi, you'll hear about it here. Sports Talk Mississippi on Super Talk Mississippi. Hey, Dad, do you see Richard's face that he's making? Do you see his face? He doesn't know this song. He doesn't know this. I I was going to give it a second. Sometimes it takes a minute. Are we going to get to the point where I do know it? Okay, there we go. Thank you. Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV. Great to be with you. Let's go back to the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team at Mississippi Farm Bureau. John Harris is one of our favorites, has been for a long time. He's on the radio with the Houston Texans. He's a sideline reporter there, hosts sports talk radio shows in and around Houston. Coaching background, scouting background, playing background, all that rolled into one. He's a football guy. And so we like talking football with John. Uh, thanks, by the way, for squeezing us in a couple of Fridays ago in what I know was a hectic day after the, the first round of the draft. Now that the dust is settled and you've had, John, a, a couple of weeks to reflect on what Houston in particular did, kind of look at what everybody else did, did Houston win the draft this year? Is there an argument to be made that the, the Texans had the best draft of anybody? It's pretty interesting, Richard, because I think there are some people nationally that would totally disagree with you because of the price of the trade, as we call it here. It's just the trade. And I've talked to Nick Casario on the air and off the air about the trade, and he just 
you know, he, he just kind of matter-of-factly says, you know, we had our eyes on Will Anderson. We wanted Will Anderson. SEC fans know what Will Anderson can do, and we needed players like that in our locker room. And the more I thought about that, the more I felt like, yeah, um, I think it was definitely the move of the night that caught a lot of people, um, I don't want to say surprised, but a lot of people were like, whoa, the Texans are doing this. And I think for the last three years, we've been, I don't want to say irrelevant, but I think nationally, everything that was said about the Texans was always negative. So the te- we just couldn't do anything right. Oh, the owner did this and this guy in the building did that. And well, they're losing games. And oh my God, they actually won the game they needed to lose. And it was just, it's all been so negative. Then when D'Amico Rides was hired, I think people started looking around. Even there were some people when D'Amico Rides was hired, I was like, you know, why would he take that job? I mean, <laughs> there was there was one writer that, that wanted to make it racial. And it's like, wait a second. I mean, he's the third straight African-American coach we've had. Like what? So it was almost as if we really couldn't do anything right in any way, shape or form. But the fans in Houston were starting to see, OK, you got D'Amico. And the fans in Houston loved D'Amico. Then they went out and got some free agents that they'd actually heard of. And they're like, all right. We got Dalton Schultz from Dallas Cowboys and thought, man, wow, all right. But in the lead up to the draft, a lot of people here just didn't think they were going to take quarterback. They just talked themselves out of it. I mean, they got to the point where they talked me out of it. I'm like, I, I just, I, and they didn't even say anything. And then they went and did what we all wanted them to do. They took a quarterback and then they made a, an aggressive move to go get Will Anderson. So I think those two players, if Stroud and Anderson play well, and you can look back and say, yeah, that was that was the right move. I, you know, nobody will mention the cost at all. But I think if we go, you know, three thirteen one again, and that pick is number two in the draft, yeah, we'll get blasted for it. Uh, we took a risk; it didn't work. But in essence, that's what the draft is, Richard. I mean, it's you know, it's going to Biloxi, it's playing you know craps, it's playing blackjack, it's doubling down on eleven, and you think you gotta face card coming out you know it's it's all a gamble in some way shape or form and the texans decided to take a calculated gamble that two players that they really fell in love with were going to pan out in 2023 and and don't you get to a point where at least for the sake of your fans you got to take a risk you you got to you got to kind of push your chips in the middle of the table and say all right now's the time we uh, we're going to go yeah. get a guy that we think is a quarterback that can win we're going to go get the guy that we think is the best player in the draft and will anderson we're going to try and put it together because it's too expensive to be a fan of an NFL team when they're terrible year after year after year. Richard, you hit it right on you you hit it right on the head right there. I mean, that's I mean, if that's a drive in golf, that's probably 350 yards cuz that's exactly what we're dealing with. Um, it's a business here in the last couple of years. I mean, COVID was tough in 2020 just in of itself, but then you come out of COVID when you can have a full stadium and we don't have a full stadium. Um, at all. And, and there were games last year, uh, a few of them that I want to forget. But when we played the Chiefs last year, uh, it felt like a road game. Uh, it felt like a road game. I mean, it was 80% red and white in the building. And I mean, that's you just can't sustain a business that way. And I mean, what ends up happening, players don't want to play there anymore. They don't want to they don't want to be in Houston. That's the thing. A lot of a lot of players love to retire in Houston. You know, there's no state income tax. It's really easy way of living as opposed to in the hustle and bustle of New York, LA or Miami or whatever. And so if you can just be good, you can get some free agents. You can attract them. Um, if you're doing the right things, you can get players in the building. And then obviously you start winning games and the fans get excited and it all just built on itself. We just 
couldn't continue to have assets in the draft. We had to have actual players. Yeah. And that drove the draft party, Richard. I mean, every team's got a draft party. We had one last year, and I think fans are still kind of skeptical, but it was a really good time had by a lot of people. And so this year, with the thought that, hey, we're 2-12, and 12, it's going to be pretty exciting. We had it at a place called Miller Outdoor Theater. The place was probably 10 times as many people as, as last year. And when they picked Stroud and then moved up for Anderson, the roar that we could hear over at our radio booth, was it was incredible. We have not heard that roar in a long, long time. And so there's a lot of excitement about what the Texans can do, led by D'Amico Ryans with Nick Casario pulling the strings. I think Texas fans feel a lot more confident than they've been in a long, long time. And you're right. The assets have to turn into players at some point. You got all the assets in the Deshaun Watson trade. Now you got to turn to players. And when the fans can see a player like Will Anderson and go, hey, I know that guy. I recognize him. I saw him. He's really good. Then uh, it makes a lot more sense to them um, as opposed to, well, we got a fourth rounder next year. We got a first rounder next year. Seeing Will Anderson, knowing him, going, hey, that's a great pick. So now it's got to now it's got to pan out. Those guys have got to take it to a different level in an NFL field, and hopefully they'll do that soon. John, you're in a place where, because you're in an NFL city, it's NFL first. But college football is big in the state of Texas, obviously, and it's big in Houston. We're in a place where it's college football first, and then the NFL is secondary. you got Saints fans, and you got you know fan, maybe some Titans fans and Cowboys fans because they're everywhere. But it's college football first where we are. And we're always struck as college football fans about how little a lot of the people that cover the NFL know about college football in terms of the players, the results, etc. So one of the things that I took away was I really like what Philadelphia is doing. Now, you're talking about a team that played in the Super Bowl a year ago, but the Eagles said, we're not going to think the room. Now, they moved up and they got one guy that they really liked, obviously, and Jalen Carter at nine. But they went and they got guys off the two best teams in college football. They went and they got Georgia guys and Alabama guys. And I, I kept thinking, that's not a bad way to build your roster. When you say, okay, who are the best teams in college football? Let's take the best players off those if they're available and bring them in because we know they're cut from a winning background, a winning culture, and we know there's a ton of talent there. Am I crazy for thinking that more teams should be looking at that in kind of building their draft boards? I mean, if you relied on it solely, Richard, that was the only thing. We're only drafting guys from Georgia. Okay, that'd be one thing. But if you went out and said, we're going to get the best players from the University of Georgia, then as as Philadelphia has done, it's going to pay off. I think it's going to pay off in a, in a big way. I don't, I don't think you're stupid at all. I mean, look, look what we did last year. Now, we haven't seen John Mechie on the field, but we hope to. But we drafted John Mechie and Christian Harris uh, on Friday in 2022. This year, we drafted Willie Anderson on night one, and then we drafted Henry Toa Toa on night th- or day three. So we kind of have the Alabama thing going, and Nick Casario was asked about that. Well, you know, you think you're going to the well a little bit too much. And like, no. I mean, they have a winning program at, at Alabama. And I, and I think that's, that's maybe it more than anything else is – players understanding how to win and what it takes to go to a different level. And that I don't think is that easy to find, uh, to be honest with you. You can have talented players and, um, you know, they come from a lot of different universities. But when you have a place like Georgia where it has been ingrained, I mean, you could see it in the way those guys play. 
And then on top of that, they play against NFL town every day. So they're at practice. They're going against NFL town every day. So they're honing their skills, as they say, iron sharpens iron. Well, they're doing that every day. And so I think yeah. you're getting a, I don't say a little bit more polished player, but you're getting a player that has been through it. And I think Alabama is kind of the same way. Now, it seems like Georgia has obviously taken over. But I think also it made a lot of sense this year, too. With Jalen Carter, there were some questions about things off the field, all that. Well, what about surrounding him with players he's comfortable with up in Philadelphia that can, you know, say to him, hey, look, man, come on. We can't have that stuff like we did back at school. We're here right. to support you and get the best out of you. So I think Philly did the right thing going and getting uh, Jalen Carter moving up one spot with the Bears to do it, but then surrounding him already with Jordan Davis there and then drafting and, and Kobe Dean there as well, who was the leader of all of them in 21, and then drafting Nolan Smith, who was obviously a big leader for them. So I think there's definitely a method to their madness. But to me, it makes me upset because I look around going, hey, NFL teams, y'all going to let Philly keep doing this? Because we're going to all be playing for second and third place down the road if you keep letting them have hosses in the middle like Jordan Davis and Jalen Carter. We're going to keep losing to these dudes. We're going to pick up the conversation with John Harris on the uh, other side of a quick timeout. We'll talk about a couple of quarterbacks. Anthony Richardson, was that a reach? Will Levis, did he fall too far? Was that the right spot? And uh, a couple of other things when we come back. Sports Talk Mississippi. Talk Mississippi. Your all-access pass to all things sports in Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi. On the Super Talk app, your local Super Talk station, and at supertalk.fm. Welcome again, Sports Talk Mississippi with you on this Tuesday afternoon, continuing our conversation with John Harris on the Farm Bureau guest line. John, i got a couple of guys at the, the quarterback spot that I want to ask you about. But first, I want to go to the 16th pick of the first round. The Washington Commanders took Emmanuel Forbes out of Mississippi State. And there are a lot of people talking about Forbes. They're like, well, I don't know if he's big enough, and you know, maybe he's going to fall to the second day. He ends up going in the middle of the first round. Washington clearly identified him as if he is there on the board, we are taking him. He is undersized at 6'1 and 166 pounds. But he also had 14 interceptions in three years in college and took six of those to the house and can absolutely fly. What do you make of Emmanuel Forbes? When you look at him, when you think about Emmanuel Forbes five years down the line in the NFL, are we talking... Pro Bowl slash All Pro type corner. Are we talking about a guy who hangs around and is he's a good player, but maybe not a great player? Are you worried about the the frame at one sixty six? What stands out? I, I mean, first of all, when you have ball skills like he does, his anticipation, understanding of routes, uh, transitional quickness, you're know, breaking forward on things in front of him. I was blown away. Blown away. Obviously, he has the pick six against Kentucky. And what stood out to me in the pick six against Kentucky was he recognized the play right away. Because that's not a play that you typically see a defensive back pick off. And he saw it, read it, and then broke on it. And I was like, whoa, that's different. I think where he'll start is inside, especially, you know, that was talking about the fit of where a guy goes. They have two outside corners that are pretty big guys. I mean, Benjamin St. Juice is like 6'2", 210. And Kendall Fuller is at least six foot six one one ninety five. So I think what they'll do with Forbes is they'll play him inside to start. And they'll play him inside to start because I think he can match up 
a lot more. And this is one of the things that I think colleges do a lot better than the NFL does. Colleges will take that, and you saw it Ole Miss, A.J. Brown, I've seen, you know, we saw at SEC, um, Justin Jefferson did it with LSU. They're taking a dynamic receiver and putting him in a slot. And then they're forcing a defense to go, oh, boy, should we get into sub package? Should we get into nickel? Or should we stay in our base defense? Or either way, you got, you know, you're sitting back there in quarters. While all of a sudden, you got a slot receiver on a safety. Okay, that's not good. So then we got to go sub package. So now we got to put a cover guy on that receiver inside. And colleges really found the advantage in doing that. Well, NFL teams are starting to use that a little bit more. So NFL teams are getting hurt a little bit more by inside receivers that have got some speed, that have got some juice, that aren't just Wes Walker and Julian Edelman running a bunch of whips and pivots and juke routes and all that stuff, you know, shallow and all that. They're getting guys with some juice. I mean, the Texans drafted Tank Dell, who can absolutely fly. Well, Emmanuel Forbes Love that pick, by the way. I'd love it too. But Emmanuel Forbes would be the answer to that. You're, you're taking advantage of us by putting him in the slot. Okay, we're not going to put our fastest and quickest and most electrifying corner on him. And so I think they'll put Forbes inside. And what I think is very dangerous for NFC East teams is the fact that that front for Washington is outrageous. So quarterbacks are going to have to throw the ball quick. They're going to have to throw the ball to the flat. That's Forbes all day, every day. So I think they'll start him inside. And I don't think that's going to be a bad thing. I don't think he'll get you know, bodied or anything. I think he is going to be perfect on the inside, at least to start. And then at some point, the business takes over. One of those two uh, outside corners will be gone. And then Forbes can go move to the outside. I think he'll put on some weight. He doesn't have to be 195 pounds, but if he can get to 175, I think he'll be, he'll be solid. I mean, he'll be okay, but he's got everything you want a corner. And I think that's why Washington went and did it, whether it's inside or outside. I had him a little bit lower. I had him, I think, in the low 30s or 40s in mind because I did worry a little bit about the size. But when I saw him going to Washington, I was okay with it because I thought that fit was really good. So when you draft a quarterback in the first round, you you would like to have a guy that you believe can lead your franchise for the next decade. And sometimes it works out that way, and sometimes you you swing and miss. Um, Anthony Richardson checks a lot of boxes, physically, arm talent, athleticism, but his decision-making was pretty average. His accuracy was inconsistent at best. People keep talking about a high ceiling. Was this a risky pick for Indianapolis at four, or is the potential for that that high ceiling good enough that you're like, yes, absolutely, you take a guy that has that kind of upside? I think, and every situation ends up being unique, but I think, Colts fans maybe three or four years ago would have said, no, 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 Anthony Richardson, that's not not after Andrew Luck. But with Luck retired, they went through Jacoby Brissett, Phillip Rivers, Carson Wentz, Matt Ryan, Sam Ellinger. They went through a bunch of just veteran retreads and like, ah. I think Colts fans and the Colts in general looked at it and said, look, those negatives that you talked about, those liabilities, can we work with those? Can we improve those? Because if we can man, we've hit an absolute home run. And I, I think Chris Ballard probably put it best. And I, I hate the fact that Ballard said this so geniusly, but he said, <laughs> all these quarterbacks are flawed, right? They're all flawed. Bryce is too short. CJ didn't score well on a cognition test. Levis is Levis. Uh, Anthony has got inconsistency issues. So why don't we take the one that can hit the grand slam as opposed to the one that can hit the double in the gap? And I thought, 
Mm, great baseball analogy. Exactly. And so I think Indianapolis has taken a calculated risk. But the one thing that he does really well, and I think this helps a lot of young quarterbacks when they come to the NFL, is the ability to run and pick up an additional set of downs with his legs. Once you get a first, no matter how you get a first down as a quarterback, you'd love to throw for it. But if you run for it, it buys you another set of downs. And you do it again, it buys you another set of downs. And you just get more confident the more downs you play. I mean, it's kind of simple. But with him and Jonathan Taylor, they can run whatever they want from a zone read, option perspective. And he puts a lot of pressure on teams because of his running ability. I think the the inconsistent nature of his throwing results it starts at his feet, and I think he can improve that. In fact, I think he's been working on it. And when the Colts, after we had this high of C.J. Stroud, Will Anderson, they picked Anthony Richardson and went, oh, boy. That was the one spot I really didn't want him to go because I do think he'll get good coaching. I think Shane Steichen knows how to work with a quarterback like Richardson that's got a lot of upside but has some things he's got to work on, incorporating the run game into it. But once they do, with Richardson and Taylor, whoo, yeah. that's going to be a tough out because NFL teams do not understand how to stop the read option. They do not understand how to stop zone read, power read, all that kind of stuff you see in college. That we see in college, like you talked about all the college fans, they see all that stuff. Why can't the NFL stop it? Because they're not used to seeing it. They don't see it every week. And so that's going to create just a little bit of different, a little bit of difference for when you face the Colts. And that could, with that guy, that... That could be worth a touchdown. It could be worth a deep ball. It could be worth a 50-yard run. You just never know with him, and I think that's what scares everybody that's got to face him twice a year. Ceasefire text line, we do get a, a good point. It says, what if the uh, one that hits the grand slam also hits 185 and leads the league in strikeouts? I mean, that possibility exists as well. You want to play that analogy out. Oh, I would love that. I would love that. If he hits 185, yeah. I'd be like, yes. But I, I, didn't, I didn't mind the point because the Colts had kind of done the yeah. veteran thing year after year after year. So why not give a, a talented dude an opportunity to hit 185? It's 185. They're all going to be fired anyways. And they knew all right, new, so new faces in the division at the quarterback spot all over the place, including in, uh, in Tennessee. They have uh, decided that Malik Willis was not the play, and so Tennessee goes to Will Levis with the second pick of the second round. You said a second ago, you were like, Levis is, I don't know, Levis. Why were people so in love with him? <laughs> because he looks the part he can throw it uh i don't think there's any question about his physical tools but i just never I, you know it's funny everybody said oh his 2021 tape is really good i'm like i watched five complete games beginning to end of 2021 and walked out of there more confused after you know going into 2022 but i felt like okay man he'll get a little bit better you know and it never got better in 2022 um, the irony of all this is my, I did a player comp for my, you know, top 200 players. My player comp for Will Levis back in May was the Tennessee Titan quarterback room of Ryan Tannehill and Malik Willis. And cool. he ends up teammates with those two. By the um, way, we got a minute left. I didn't mind, I didn't mind seeing him go to Tennessee, in all honesty. Um, he's got a long way to go. I think he's got a longer way to go than Richardson, to be honest. I think Richardson will have really? that much more success than Levis. Yeah, and I don't think either one of them is, you know, was great, but I'd, I'd bet on Richardson before I would Levis, and especially with the tools and the weapons the Colts have. I think Tennessee, after Derrick Henry steps aside in a year or two, I think Tennessee is going to be in a world of hurt, and I don't think Levis is the guy to bring him back. Hmm. Bryce Young going to be a star in the NFL? Yes.
Damn we will uh, we will watch and see. John, great stuff, man. I really appreciate your time. Always enjoy talking NFL and draft and college ball with you, and uh, look forward to catching up with you again soon. Maybe we'll see you in Nashville this summer at uh, at Media Days. You need to come back. Man, if it's in Nashville, man, i got to make it back. That'll be fun. Richard, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me, man. John Harris from the uh, Houston Texans Radio Network joining us on the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. More with you, hour and a half left on this Tuesday afternoon at the Pearl River Resort Studios. it's happening in mississippi sports you'll hear about it first right here sports talk mississippi We're going to need to make a road trip, by the way. I don't know who's going to pay for it. Where to? For show content purposes. Our New Orleans Saints, the favorite team of Sports Talk Mississippi and the state of Mississippi, That's right. is in Houston. We can go set up, do a live show, hang out with our buddy John, and expense every cent because, again, Mississippi's favorite Team is the New Orleans Saints. Let's road trip over to Houston. The kind of content we're about. If I uh, remember correctly, earlier this afternoon, the uh, one of the people at least that would have to sign off on that was was in the studio there with you, Borky. You you could well, you should, you should work have just on asked that. him right there. You know, I, I I didn't think to look at who the opponents are until you mm-hmm. know hearing John talk NFL, and I thought, oh shoot, schedule release day is two days from now. But, oh, by the way, we know who the opponents are. So I went and and looked up the opponents, and sure enough, by the way, the Saints are making the playoffs. If if anything, just by default, this is a Charmin soft schedule for an NFL team. Home games. The three division opponents, obviously, the Falcons, the Panthers, and the Bucks. Chicago, Detroit, Jacksonville, Giants, Titans are the home games. That yeah, is a, you got Derek Carr playing quarterback. That is a beautiful home schedule. I mean, that is just... I don't like your attitude. It's also I don't like, like the, uh, It's an upgrade from what we had a year ago. I gotta be totally honest with you. I don't... I don't you know, that's, that's, not, that's, not, that's not the vibe I'm looking for. And get these yeah, road games. Sorry. This, is, this is crazy how this schedule has worked out. These are the road games. The three division opponents, obviously. All three of which breaking in new quarterbacks, by the way. The Packers, breaking in a new quarterback. The Texans, breaking in a new quarterback. The Colts, guess what the Colts are doing? Breaking in a brand new quarterback. Also, the Rams, Vikings, and Patriots. For an NFL schedule, it doesn't get much softer than that. That is soft. Road games with the Rams, Vikings, and Patriots is soft? Well, I mean, it's the NFL. You're going to have good teams in a 17-game schedule. <laughs> They're going to be sub, yeah. But, but you avoid Buffalo. You avoid Kansas City. You're not having to go play somewhere uh, like Seattle. 
you know, where it's a good team and it's a tough environment. Hopefully, knock on wood, we'll find out Thursday. Would love Green Bay to be in October instead of, you know, January. So, holding out hope that the Lambeau trip is a good weather trip. But, man, a bunch of teams breaking in new quarterbacks. A pretty easy home schedule. No Kansas City, no Buffalo. You're not going to Baltimore for it. You know, another one with Lamar Jackson who torched you a year ago. I like I what I, I see at here. The, uh, I think I was at the last game between the Saints and the Texans. Have they played since that Monday night season opener like four years ago? No. They have not. No, they wouldn't have. Saints had the walk-off field goal wrote, to win it. Yeah, you rotate through the division, so it would have been four years ago. Yeah. Um, Texans had a bunch of fans there for that. That, was, that atmosphere that night was oh, yeah, it's an easy trip. bonkers. I mean, it was so good. That's that was, what separates a college atmosphere from an NFL atmosphere. Because I, I've talked with buddies and stuff about this who either A, haven't been to NFL games or, or don't care because I always tell them NFL stadiums are more intimidating. And they're like, why? And my response is because every, for the most, some of them aren't. Like I've been to Panthers games that have been really bad. Yeah. But uh, I've been to so I've been to a Bucks game actually before, and it was like this, not like the dome, but it was like this. I've been to a Falcons game when they were pretty good, and it was like this. Every single person in the stadium appears to be emotionally invested. There's no down in front people in the majority of NFL games. It's seventy thousand people that truly believe. My voice will impact the outcome of the game. And you don't get that in every college stadium. There's, there's, there's no sorority girl who's just there for the date and show off her right. dress at an NFL yeah, game. I mean, yeah, so like there's no student section, right? So 10,000 seats right. that would be occupied by students are instead going to, to fans. And, I mean, NFL tickets and the NFL experience are a pretty significant investment. I mean, we talk all the time about how much it costs to go to college games. You can probably amp that number a little bit up when you're talking about you know NFL season tickets and premium seating areas and all the costs that are associated with that. And so everybody that goes is invested. And they're invested because it's their team, not because it's their alma mater. Right, it's their city. So, so, so you got lots of people that are like, well, I mean, Mississippi State's playing, so I'm going. Ole Miss is playing, so I'm going, and they're going back for the nostalgia and the memories, and because this is what we do, and because we live in Mississippi, and this is what happens in the fall, and and all of those things. I'm like, yeah, I know, I got to buy tickets, and then, now not everybody's like that, right? I mean, you got some people that are just diehard, passionate, the opposite of. Down in front guy. Right. But you have less of that. Yeah. For just whatever games. Josh and Laurel says if you sit in the top level at the dome, you see people take their beer bottle and hit against the back wall to make all kind of noise. Well, how about that? If you choose to sit in the top level of the dome on a weekly basis to watch Saints games, you are committed. Yeah, you are. Uh, yeah. So uh, when I went to the Bucks game a few years ago, the, the Saints Bucks game in the dome, we were three rows from the very back. The entire back row on our section tur- physically turned around to hit the back wall. 
when the and team was like on defense. Looking over their and shoulders. Yes, they, yeah. they couldn't have cared less as long as they were making the noise. The entire back row was just hitting the back of the stadium. Saints fans are, are, are they're like football savvy, too. It's quiet in the dome when the Saints are on offense. The difference is crazy. And then when the field flips, it's just like, all right, we just took a break for 12 minutes. It's time to go to work now. Yeah. It's a cool right, I mean, thing. a really good text message. Ceasefire text line NFL fans participate, they don't spectate. Yep. It's a good point. I've had that. It's feeling. not that way with everybody. No. It's not that way with everybody. But it's that way in New Orleans. It's that way in Green Bay. It's that way in Kansas City. It's that way in Buffalo. It's that way in Philly. Seattle used to be that way in Washington. Seattle's like that. Atlanta, when they're goods like that. You mentioned Tampa Bay a second ago. It's like that. I mean, they're yeah. I keep saying Atlanta when they're good. When is that? I don't, I don't well, remember those days. And I, honestly, I didn't like my I'm, I'm experience. I'm getting some at the shots Falcons in game. on my rivals today. I'm excited. Good, about that. I like that. But and that was before I became a Saints fan. This is when I was living in South Carolina. Uh, I didn't like my experience at the Falcons game. There was just something about it where I was like, "Eh, I don't like these people." It was ingrained in me the whole time. It's just, it's just, it's just on them. Yeah, it's like a stain. That, that is something that you know. I, I've and I've heard the same criticism from state fans too, but. Especially something that I talk about with my Ole Miss fan friends that, you know, there is some truth to when Lane Kiffin complains about fan participation. He's got a point. Because there are some people that will only get excited when something happens, as opposed to, I'm going to be the reason why something happens. You could say that's crazy, but that, that's a great text, as you mentioned. The Saints fans that I sit around when I go to Saints games believe that what they are doing actually directly impacts the outcome of the game. That if they didn't do that, they would be failing their team. Mm -hmm. There needs to be more of that with the college fans in this state. Where when I go to the game, I'm impacting the game. I'm not there to just watch. I'm going to make a difference. And you know, the interesting thing is traditionally Mississippi State baseball fans have been that way. Duty Noble has had that feel to it through the years. Like, Mississippi State baseball fans are invested to the point that they think they can help influence the outcome of the game. It's like LSU football fans. The Swamp, when it's right, it's like that. Knoxville's like that. Tuscaloosa, when they're not bored, can get like that. There are a lot of places that are like that, that in the SEC. Bobby and Batesville says Cincinnati fans have had so much time to rest their voices. These past few seasons, they are loud. Cincinnati's good. Cleveland's good. Cle- yeah, it's a good atmosphere. Cleveland Browns fans. I had say like for a terrible team. Oh, and they're oh, always and there. In Pittsburgh. Yeah. yeah, man. I I heard an interview. It was some kind of featured documentary I was watching, just going through NFL stadiums and stuff. Pittsburgh Steeler fans. Like that, the the team and their affiliation with the team is their whole entire identity. It is I go to work Monday through Friday so I can pay to go to the Steelers games, and that is my life. That's what I do, and my entire life revolves around it. It was really interesting. Have you guys ever thought about the fact that every professional sports team in the city of Pittsburgh has the same colors? I wish New Orleans would do that. Yes. You got you got black and yellow for the Steelers. The Pirates, the Penguins, and Pittsburgh is blue and yellow, blue and gold. I mean, they've kind of gone back to the yellow, which they should. And that yellow is a kind of a nod to the rest of the professional teams in Pittsburgh. 
It's kind of cool when you think about it. Like, I w- it is cool. I wish the Pelicans would go instead of red and gold and blue to black and gold. There, I've seen cool. uniform concepts. Does anybody in the NBA wear black and gold? No. See? I don't think they do. Yeah. Brooklyn wears black, but there's black and white. Yeah, there's no gold, yeah. I would love to see them do it. They won't, but... Probably not. Sports Talk Mississippi. We'll wrap up the 4 o'clock hour with you coming up next right here in the Pearl River Resort Studio. Mississippi on the Super Talk app, your local Super Talk station, and at supertalk.fm. Hey, come join the Premier Collegiate Wood Bat League in the South as the Cotton States Baseball League is hosting its 15th season with games at BNA Bank Park in June and July. Collegiate players from Tennessee, Texas, and Florida are already committed for the 2023 season. You've got uh, like three days left to get your application in. May 12th is the deadline. CottonStatesLeague.com. Send your application there. Or uh, reach out to them via Facebook, Twitter, or other social media outlets. So May 12th is the deadline for the Collegiate Summer League. High school and junior high, you've got a little while longer until June 2nd. June 2nd, not Jane 2nd. That's my wife. June 2nd. Uh, That's the application deadline for high school and junior high players. Affordably priced, outstanding facilities, good coaches, great coaches even and an invaluable opportunity to compete and get reps during the summer for college players and for up-and-coming junior high and high school players as well. You can check out Cotton States League on Facebook, Twitter, and other social media outlets. And, of course, once again, go to their website to get your registration, your application done. That's at CottonStatesLeague.com. Cotton States League in New Albany. All the games at BNA Bank Park in New Albany. Thanks for being with us this afternoon. Got an hour left with you. College football fix is just around the corner. Uh, you got Mississippi State baseball tonight. Hey, Dev. Bulldogs and the Memphis Tigers. Oh, Braylon Skinner back in town. Yeah. That's all you got? <laughs> well, anyway. <laughs> moving on. Oh, man. Uh, laugh through the pain. Yeah. Just oh no, I'm I'm already dead inside. It's fine. There's I'm completely numb. Does that have anything to do with baseball though? Or it's just kind of who you are. Ooh. Ouch. <laughs> Ow. Hey, we um this was I, I got a text. I got a text. Just move it on now. Yeah, I just move on. I'm not gonna let just let that one hang too long. I got a text that said this is not meant as an insult or throwing shade or anything like that. But the female NFL fan is vastly different than the female college football fan. Now, you got to remember, that's painting with a broad brush, right? So there are exceptions on both sides. But I think that's more the idea that, okay, you've got four or 5,000 college-aged female fans that are at college football games that are, you know, student section... You know, what are we wearing, dates, what else is going on, all that stuff. And again, again, I'm stereotyping, I understand that. 
And you've is got it stereotyping a lot... if you're being accurate for the? Yeah, but but yeah, I just I just want to be careful. I don't want to offend anyone. And and you have very passionate female fans that go to college football games that are graduates, married, moms, etc. But you also have lots of moms, graduates, female fans, etc. that just go because their husband's going, their friends are going, family's going, nostalgia, whatever. And some of that probably exists at the NFL level. But Borky, you were telling me a second ago that, you know, some yeah. of your observations at Saints games are, look, I mean, if you want to be like, oh, well, the guys know football and the, the women don't, well, you're wrong in a hurry if you go to an NFL game and you observe some of the female yeah. NFL fans. The, the last game I went to, there's a family that sat in front of us, uh, a mom and a dad and, and their two boys, and the the mom, the whole game, was mad, but not in like an irrational like yelling at the refs and just kind of yelling because she's had one too many cocktails and is just yelling like a lot of people do at sporting events, of course, men included. She knew formations. She knew personnel. She knew players. And she knew when the players were screwing up. She was mad about blown coverages. <laughs> Every, I mean, everything. And that is more common at in those environments than in college. Absolutely. And you know what? They're both uh, awesome. They're both awesome. Yep. My preference is college football. Hey, Dad's preference is college football. I think Borky's on record with saying if you made him choose one or the other, he probably would pick the NFL. But he loves college football too. Yeah. I, if if I was watching on TV, would you rather watch an NFL game or a college game? My answer is the NFL. If it's would you rather go to this college football game or a random NFL game? I'm picking college. The the environment and all the pomp and circumstance and all the pageantry and all that crap that w we get all gushy about is awesome. And I would rather be around that than just like a random NFL game. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny to me, though. Hey, Dad. Porky says he would rather watch an NFL game on TV. Nope. Not me. No. Not me. So so saccharine, so 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 bland. Now, if you're telling me, I, if you're telling me, hey, you can either watch an NFL game or Maction on Tuesday night. I'm gonna watch Maction, but I would pick the NFL game over that. Boston. But if you're telling me it's Houston against East like, Carolina, or the Arizona Cardinals against Minnesota. I'm probably picking Houston and East Carolina, to be honest. I mean, even Kyler would rather be playing Call of Duty. Oh. College Football Fix is coming up next. The best. The best. Sports talk in the state. It's the best thing. Say that again. We the best on three. One, two, three. We the best. Sports talk Mississippi. Super talk Mississippi. Richard, before we get into the college football fix, there is one interesting note about Mississippi State's baseball game with Memphis tonight. I, I, I just found this out. so. But we've got brother versus brother on the mound. 
Uh, they got to be related, right? Parker oh, Stinnett pitching really? for Mississippi State. Carson Stinnett for uh, for Memphis. Just look looking at the picture of Carson Stinnett. I don't think it says if they're no, related, they're brothers. They but are. They look, but so they look exactly the same. So, although one has the long hair and one does not. Yeah, they uh, they are brothers. So, both pitched at Oxford cool High School. Thing. Yeah, really, really yeah, good high cool. school players. And did uh, they both? Did they both go to Northwest? So that's the, Carson came from Northwest. I, did, did Parker go there too? I know Parker came from JUCO. Let me look. This is second or third year at Mississippi State. Stinnett? This yeah. is third year. His, yeah. he, he, this is it for him. I'm pretty sure. Okay. Uh, yeah, went to Northwest. They both went to Northwest. So there you go. Very cool. Very yeah. cool. You know, Memphis when they played Ole Miss a few weeks ago, they kind of went with the whole Johnny Holstaff thing, where it was just one. One after another, after another, after another. Another guy you could potentially see pitch tonight. I'm assuming that he's healthy. I haven't checked in a while. Is uh, is Chase Kessinger, Keith Kessinger's yeah. son, and uh, it'd be really cool as uh, as well tonight in Starkville. This is Sports Talk Mississippi with you in the Pearl River Resort Studios. Pearl River Resort is the home of the Geyser Falls Water Park. Today might have been the first day where you're like, you know what, this. This would have been a good day to be at the water park. Upper 80s, a lot of sunshine, going to warm up in a hurry, and uh, make your plans to uh, check that out for a weekend or maybe just a a day, just a a Saturday or Sunday afternoon. You can find out all the information about Geyser Falls, which is part of Pearl River Resort, online at pearlriverresort.com. C Spire text line is always open to you at 601-879-4395. Give your business the edge with gigabit fiber internet from C Spire Business. It's backed by world-class IT professionals who live where you do. That's right here in C Spire country. Check them out online at cspire.com slash business. All right. I think we're going to have an extended college football fix today, and I think this is going to be fun. College football fix is driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Log on to buyfordnow.com and find out why the best-selling trucks are built Ford Tough. You can test drive the F-150, the Explorer, the Expedition. If you're looking for a pickup, you got the Ranger and the Maverick to choose from. All of those available for you at your local Mississippi Ford dealers. So, I want to talk running backs. And there's a pretty good crop of running backs in the SEC right now. I think probably the two household names, at least going into this season, the guys that are going to be the two running backs that are first-team preseason All-SEC are Quinshawn Judkins at Ole Miss and Rocket Sanders at Arkansas. And then you've got some other pretty good running backs sprinkled across the SEC as well. I think that Quinshawn Judkins... If he stays healthy and he is at Ole Miss for another year after this season, when he finishes his time at Ole Miss, and again, I'm making some assumptions here, right? He stays healthy, he's there for three or four years, but let's assume three years, and he puts up numbers like he put up, maybe not exactly, but comparable numbers to what he did his freshman year. When Quinshawn Judkins leaves Ole Miss there will be a very compelling argument 
that he is the best running back in the history of Ole Miss football. Now, you you might have some that would push back on that. You might have some that go, well, you didn't see K.O. Dotley. And you're right, I didn't. You might have some that say, um, you know, if Deuce McAllister had played in the offense that Ole Miss is in right now, he would. that's a very real argument. And I'm not saying that it's a definitive slam dunk. you got to go out and you got to do it first. But there is a very real possibility that Quinshawn Judkins, when ultimately he leaves Ole Miss, he leaves as the best running back, the greatest running back in Ole Miss football history. For statistical purposes, Deuce is the all-time leading rusher. 31-81 is his total at Ole Miss. Quinshawn Judkins last year... Ran for fifteen sixty seven. He's only one thousand six hundred and fourteen yards short of Deuce. Yeah, and Deuce yeah. was a four year. He back. needs like, yeah, yeah. He yeah. needs a- another season with that he had last year with another twelve carries, mm-hmm. and he will pass Deuce all time. Or if he Which goes for twelve hundred on the ground this year. Then he's you know three three hundred and fifty yards from becoming the all time leading rusher. Yeah, I mean you'll think you'll get more carries because I just don't think I like Bentley, but I don't think you'll get as many carries as Zach Evans got. Plus, you know from the beginning what you have with Judkins this year. Judkins was the third guy in the rotation when Ole Miss started the season last year. That's right. That's right. So that kind of got me thinking a little bit. If we walk through the SEC. Now again, this is this is subjective. It, it's open to debate. Can we identify the best running back in the history of each school in the SEC? Like for some, there's debate, right? I mean, Alabama, you could have a really good debate. For my money, I think I would go Derrick Henry is the best ever. But you could argue Trent Richardson. You could argue Mark Ingram. You certainly could argue Sean Alexander. If you want to go back farther into the 90s or if you want to go back 60s, 70s, 80s, or or before, I'm sure there are names that you could put up there. I don't think there's any argument in Arkansas. I don't think. Darren McFadden. Darren McFadden's the best running back ever in Arkansas. He's almost a full. Th- he's he's about eight hundred yards clear of number two in terms of all time rushing yards. Who's number two? Uh, Alex Collins. Oh well. Could Rocket Sanders leave Arkansas as the second best running back in school history? So Rocket Sanders would need if he let's say he left after this season, he would need seventeen hundred yards to eclipse Alex Collins to move into number two. Yeah, so, so there's I'm no, going to say no. There's no debate at Auburn who the best running back of all time is. It's Bo Jackson. Is there any debate as to who the second best running back is at Auburn? Sure. Sure. Cadillac. Uh, Brent Fullwood, Cadillac Williams, Ronnie Brown, James Joseph, Rudy Johnson. Uh, I mean, <laughs> Auburn has a, been a... Stephen Davis, they have... They've had a tailback factor. Uh, who was it a few years ago that led the SEC in Trey Mason, was that his name? Oh, yeah. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, I mean, he led the SEC in I mean, they, they've been a tailback factory through the years. Sure. And I'm not even going back. I mean, I'm sure they have some guys from the 60s and 70s that I just don't know. 
There's nobody on Auburn's roster right now, though, that enters that conversation. No, and never will be. Bo Jackson will always be number one unless unless Bo Jackson has a grandchild who goes and does that. I mean, oh, just, right, just, I mean, if you have somebody that comes in and ends up being like a two-time Heisman winner, I yeah. just don't know that that I mean, person ever would be as ridiculous. Beloved, but yes, yes, something is ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm my mind is blown by this. Just having all this stuff up. Speaking of tailback factories, Alabama has been one. You know their all-time yeah. leading rusher is. It's probably Derrick Henry. It's isn't it? Najee Harris. Oh, well, he, he started for three years. He did, but that's still just—I mean, considering yeah. the better backs. I thought Derrick Henry's I mean, senior year might have been enough just to carry him. The the thing is with Alabama, they've they've all—it's been a stable, right? I mean, yeah. there, there's yeah. been there's been the number yeah. one and the number two who you knew was going to be the number one the next year, or for the next two years, and it was like that from like just over and over and over. You had T.J. Yeldon in the mix and Trent Richardson in the mix and Mark Ingram in the mix and Derrick Henry in the mix. It was just one after another after another. Here's uh, just for what it's worth, uh, the top Harris, Henry, Sean Alexander, Bobby Humphrey. Uh, back when you guys were in high Bobby school in, in 1988. Bobby Humphrey was really good. Um, Dominant player. Kenneth Darby, 03-06. Yeldon, Ingram, Richardson, Who Harris, Musso is their top ten. Musso was a super stud for them back in the 70s. Derek Lassick was really, really good also. Derek Lassick? I mean, yeah. if you want to go early 90s. Sherman Williams? Remember Sherman oh, Williams? Yes. I mean, was he before or after Sean Alexander? He was before, before. Sean Alexander. Yeah, yeah. He played with Jay Barker. Got all, yeah. all different gloss, uh, semi-gloss, eggshell, you know, whatever you need. <laughs> yes, yes, there you go. <laughs> well played. Uh, yeah. Florida. My I mean, first thought is Fred Taylor. Over Emmett Smith. Oh, I didn't think about Emmett Smith. Yeah. Emmett yeah. Smith. It's Emmett Smith. Never mind. Eric Rett. Eric Rett. Eric Rett. Taylor. Taylor. All-time leading rusher for what Taylor. that's worth. I had Fred Taylor on my fantasy team like three years. I love Fred Taylor. Um, you know, there, there, okay, so when we come back, we'll talk about Georgia. And there is a without a doubt another number one. one. But I want to tell yeah. you the the debate for number two at Georgia. Ooh, it's we'll staunch. Right talk, sports talk, Mississippi to the junction in the groove and to the top. Sports talk, Mississippi on Super Talk, Mississippi. the best ever running backs at uh, the SEC schools and we're not going to include Texas and Oklahoma in here because if you want to add those two good gracious you talk about adding to the list of great running backs we'll, we'll wait till they're Ricky part Williams, of the SEC Billy Sims let's go with those two maybe Adrian Peterson yeah, they don't count though forget them they, right. we need to when they join the SEC they need to be hazed have to if we just welcome them in and throw media days in Dallas and no, it's got to be hard for the them. Texas media should pick. Texas media should pick up all of our bills, all of our yes. tabs at the first. They should take all of us to dinner. And somebody in the Rookie big dinner. media room 
should make the last two rows be Texas and Oklahoma media. They cannot sit. They yeah. got you got to sit in the back. You got to earn your way in. You, they have you to did. hold our seats. You, you did not mention Earl Campbell, by the way, when you were talking about Texas. I didn't. I went with Ricky Williams over Texas over Earl. I love Earl. Yeah. yeah. Um. So Georgia is such a fascinating, yeah. ridiculous running back legacy. It's it's embarrassing. So so first of all, there's Herschel, and then there's everybody else. Herschel Walker. Right. Had 5,259 yards in three seasons. And he's the only player in NCAA history to finish in the top three in Heisman voting in all three of his college seasons. He's on a different plane. You're not going to recognize this name probably unless you're a Georgia historian. Charles Trippy, Bear Bryant, yeah, and, and the legendary Keith Jackson, the sportscaster. Called Trippy the greatest college football player ever. We're talking about him as a running back, primarily. But Bobby Dodd at Georgia Tech said he's the best safety man the South ever had. He was a two-way guy. Yeah. You can also, in that era, go to Frank Sinkwich, who won the Heisman Trophy for Georgia. But just listen to these names. Todd Gurley. Yeah. Nick Chubb. Garrison Hurst. You mentioned Frank Sinkwich. No Sean Moreno, Sony Michelle, Lars Tate was immediately following Herschel Walker. Rodney Hampton really good. was in that really same good. era as well. And that doesn't even take into account a guy like Terrell Davis or Tim Worley. Who really wasn't that good Smith in college. Or Robert Edwards. <laughs> yeah. Robert Edwards was really good in college, really good. Tim Terrell Davis wasn't. Yeah. Terrell Davis was not a great college player, and then he just became a Hall of Fame pro player. It was really weird. Craig Lumpkin was really good. I mean, just yeah. the list at Georgia is just absolutely ridiculous. I mean, Kentucky. you didn't mention DeAndre Swift, and just I mean, talking in recent years, DeAndre Swift. Um, oh, they just had who was the guy? Oh, it was after DeAndre Swift. I can't remember who it was. But Chubb or Michelle or it may have been Chubb, yeah. Yeah, I mean they just you know it's it's crazy. Back. They are tailback you. Yeah. yeah. Kentucky. Is it recent? Is it Benny Snell? It's either Benny Snell or Mo Williams. Those are your really only two options. For me anyway. Who do you go to at LSU? Is Kevin Falk the answer at LSU? Yes. Kevin Falk, Fournette. Um I mean, do you have to put like Billy Cannon and Tommy Casanova in there? Probably. I mean, they probably. Um, but even more, you know, uh, oh gosh. I can't remember the guy's name. Oh, LeBrandon Cofield oh, was no. really good. Darius Geis. <laughs> I mean, I, I, that's the point, though, is they got these guys. They just, they, they have Cecil all these the guys. Cecil the Diesel Collins. Cecil the Collins was the most single most physically impressive football player I've ever seen. He just so happened to be a social deviant and couldn't keep it together. He was for me until I saw Leonard Fournette. They're right there. Fournette is what Collins could have become. Who is it for Mississippi? We're leaving guys out too. We just left out Dalton Hilliard and Harvey Williams. I mean, yeah. I got a text from a buddy that said Dalton Hilliard at the same time you said that. Dalton Hilliard is, 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 is absolutely on that list. Yeah. Mississippi State. 
The top three are J.J. Johnson, Jarius Norwood, and Anthony Dixon. I would go Norwood. Over Dixon? I would. I think Norwood was one of the best athletes I've ever seen. If he had played at a a better school with better talent around him, he would have been an Mm All-American. But there's not a clear-cut number one at Mississippi State in your mind? I mean, State's all-time leading rusher as a quarterback. (laughs) That is, uh, that is true. Which is crazy when you think about it because there have been really, really good running backs oh, at Mississippi State. State's had great running backs through the years. I mean, you know, you go back to Michael Davis, you go to um, Kiefer McGee, obviously. Uh, you, you had J.J. I mean, they had a good run. Desenzo Miller, uh, then you went to Norwood, then you went to Dixon. Vic Ballard was really good. Um, yeah, they, they, they've had them. Is there anybody on the roster right now that enters that conversation when it's all said and done? No, not right now. No, I love Marks. I think Mark. If Marks well, had like a Ladarius Perkins kind, of, I know, but I think if Marks <laughs> had like a Ladarius Perkins kind of season, he would be doing really, really well. Uh, oh, Missouri. I'm I'm just going to defer to you guys on that. Who, I gotta who, look him up. who is it for Missouri? A gentleman named Brad They've Smith had, who ran for 4,200 yards. He's a quarterback. He's a quarterback. He's a quarterback. Well, that's your best running back in Missouri history. But didn't he really? move over and play some running back, like true running back also? He no, he played receiver in the league, though. Brad Smith was really good. He was so athletic. Well, there you go. South Carolina is a slam Brad dunk. Smith. It's George Rogers at South Carolina. Yeah. And then Lattimore's probably second. Lattimore just could not stay healthy. But, yeah, Rogers is... Uh, Brandon Bennett is, is probably third. One. Remember him? Brandon Bennett was a stud. They got me, I'm going back to Missouri here. First of all, Brad Smith, born about 20 years too early. Yeah, none of those names are, like, really good. I mean, Larry Roundtree was a good running back. Don't get me wrong, but... Yeah. What's, I mean, I'm not putting Missouri him in the, in the, here the again? pantheon. It's so fit. Well, fit. Just, yeah. uh, Just don't. All right. Here's another place that's got a pretty decorated running back history. University of Tennessee. Yeah. There have been some studs. Travis Henry, Jamal mm-hmm. Lewis, Arian oh, Foster, so um, Gerald Riggs. Cedric Houston. Uh, I don't know who the best all-time is at Tennessee. Is it Jamal Lewis? I mean, you're leaving out, like, remember James Stewart from the early 90s was really, really good. Jay Graham, really, really good back in the day. Travis Stevens, Chuck Webb, Chuck Webb and Reggie Cobb back in the day. They're good. It's probably, I mean, their all-time leading rusher is Travis Henry. I'm probably going Jamal Lewis, all-time number one. Yeah, Henry and Foster both played four years, and Jamal only played three. He's only about 300 yards off the pace. Texas A&M? Leland McElroy. No. (laughs) I I love Leland McElroy, though. He's a good player. My favorite Texas A&M player of all time in any at any position is that win, but we're not talking about that win. Yeah, he was Everybody so loves good. That win. Um, kind of the same thing here, where you, you know your first thought is going to be uh, Johnny Manziel. 
Darren Lewis is their all-time leading rusher. He has 5,000 career rushing yards. Too. Travion Williams is on that list. Greg Hill, I remember him. Dante Hall, really good player. Rodney Thomas, I remember him back in the day for A&M. Who, who, who are you going with for Vanderbilt? Ralph you going recent, recency bias? Ralph. Ralph. Oh, I mean, it's one of the all-time leading rushers in conference history. Yeah. I think Ralph Webb is the answer yeah. there. Ralph Webb is probably the 4, answer. 4,178 yards rushing for Ralph Webb. So, that's thinking about all of the all-time greats at the position for the 14 schools in the SEC. Is there anybody besides Quinshawn Judkins at Ole Miss that could enter that conversation when their time at their current school is done? So, at Georgia, no. At Auburn, no. It doesn't matter who's on the roster right now. There's not a Bo Jackson, not a Herschel Walker. You never know with Alabama. You never know, because they recruit so many stud running backs. All it's going to take is one of them to grab the reins as a freshman and, and not give it up, and then he's tra- rushed for 40. Exactly. It, it, it was, but you just don't ever know that one day they, you can just look up and that kid's been there three, four, three, four years, and he's rushed for 4,500 yards. Yeah. Borky, who was the kid a couple of years ago? The I'm sorry, the kid. The, the young man a couple of years ago at South Carolina who really popped – early in his career, and then just didn't end up with the numbers maybe that we thought he was going to, maybe like three oh, years Oh, he had a ago. big game against Ole Miss to, uh, in, the, in the COVID year. He had a big game against Ole Miss. Yes. What was his name, Kevin something? Oh, we stumped Borky on yeah. a South Carolina yeah. trivia question. And you liked him a lot, Borky. Like when he was a freshman? Yeah, I can't remember now. Sports Talk Mississippi. We'll be back with you after this in the Pearl River Resort Studio. Sports Talk Mississippi. Sports. Sports. On your radio and in the game. Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome again, Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV. Thanks for being with us this afternoon. A couple of things coming up this week that you need to know about. You can join Middays with Gerard Gibbard on Thursday. He'll be broadcasting live from Carter's Jewelers on High Street in Jackson. They will be having their annual Mother's Day balloon pop sale and a ton of great deals. Public service announcement, Mother's Day is Sunday. Just in case you had forgotten or you weren't aware, Mother's Day is this Sunday. Also, Gerard will be at Itawamba Community College on Friday. That's in Fulton for the 2023 spring graduation. You'll hear about all the great things that are happening at ICC. Middays live at Itawamba Community College this Friday with Gerard Gibbert. So be sure to tune in for those things. Sports Talk Mississippi is brought to you in part by Genteel Apparel. Genteel is the official apparel provider 
of Sports Talk Mississippi. You can visit them online at gentealapparel.com. Check out their spring collection. And don't forget about the uh, collegiate collection. That's the the really good-looking stuff that's got your team's logo on it in a nice, small, uh, you know, you can get the script state, you can get the M over S logo, you can get the script Ole Miss, you can get the football helmet, uh, really good looking stuff on the golf shirts, on the uh, the pullovers, and uh, and much more. Gentealapparel.com or in uh, Greenville at the Country Gentleman at Chandelure Outfitters in Ocean Springs, Kincaid's Fine Clothing in Ridgeland, Reed's in Starkville, and Randy Price and Company in Hattiesburg. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, thank you for being with us this afternoon. So we were and talking Mother's about Day is Sunday, so plenty of time to get that lingerie for mom. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yes, no doubt. <laughs> is that what kids get for moms, or is that? Uh... Uh, I think we've had this discussion before. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, my apologies uh. for saying Marshawn Lattimore a second ago to the person who was asking who the running back was at uh, South Carolina. But it wasn't even a running back. That was uh, that was clowny. Oh, the defensive that, play. One of the of more Jake iconic Zedion. plays in modern college football, right? Everybody knows that. Yes. That would be illegal in today's game. Would it, though? Because yep. he was in you good position. you get ejected position. for targeting. Yeah, that's not, it's not a defensive player, defensive player, though. He's running right at him. Yeah, but you don't think when he leads with his helmet like he does? i got, I got to watch it again. Yeah. We'll see. I think he hits him in the chest, and the helmet just but, flies off. What, what's so funny about that play is what what happened before. An all-time screw robbed. job by the refs. So, yeah. they, South Carolina Kleine gets a stop. Kleine was basically just like, yeah, Kleine was like, okay. Yeah. My, screw me, watch this. My game now. But they, yeah. they do the measurement, and there is clearly, very clearly, inches short of a first down. And you, there, there's the still image of Spurrier pointing down. You see the space between the ball and that and the the, the pole. I mean, it's it's three four inches, clear space, and and I don't know how, like those guys weren't fired immediately after that game. You awarded a first down when a ball was this far short, clear as day, and then Clowney. They, they don't block him, which is an interesting strategy. <laughs> yes, it is. And that he just paused the ball and just, no, that's my football now. And South Carolina won that game. And yeah. So we mentioned this yesterday. And Richard Johnson at Sports Illustrated has written kind of a summary of, again, I hesitate to use the word scandal, but the gambling investigations. Although in his headline he says inside the latest collegiate betting scandal, it comes from the heartland. You have thoughts on Iowa or Iowa State, hey Dad? Not yet. No, I'm I'm listening to what you're saying there. Iowa and Iowa State athletics are involved in the second college sports gambling scandal within the past two weeks. He points out that this is different from the one involving Alabama baseball, but it that re- uh, underscores that regulating gambling is going to take a continued effort as legal betting becomes more widespread and accessible. There are currently 41 athletes 
between Iowa and Iowa State that are being investigated for gambling. <sighs> Borgie, what jumps out for you? The, 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 the volume of players jumps out at me. The, the fact that you've got the Iowa Racing and Gaming Commission involved in, investiga- in the investigation, you also have the Division of Criminal Investigation in the state of Iowa investigating this. It's, it's kind of a mess, and that, that's really what stands out, is it's a mess. By the way, schools are being proactive right now. The Florida Athletic Compliance Department sent an email to everybody within the athletics department. Good morning. Please remember that regardless of state or federal law, sports wagering remains an NCAA violation for student athletes, coaches, and staff. If you're a player, you can't bet. If you're a coach, you can't bet. If you work for an athletics department, you can't bet. And they point out, you may not place a bet on any sport that the NCAA has a championship in at any level. All right? Does that make sense? There is an NCAA championship for baseball. You can't bet on high school baseball. You can't bet on professional baseball. You can't bet on college baseball. You can't bet on basketball at any level because there's an NCAA championship for that. They also point out that you may not provide information to any individuals engaging in sports wagering. You may not provide um, information. I'm sorry. Same screenshot. But that that's what stands out is that the volume of players, the multiple different agencies investigating it, neither of which is the NCAA, by the way. You assume they'll step in uh, by 2024 and, and try to get to the bottom Ish. of it. But maybe I think this is the tip of the iceberg because that one fact right there: a college football player under rule cannot bet on the NBA playoffs. And you want to know how many college athletes have used the app that is legal in their state, which is not all of them, not Mississippi. Threw 100 down on the Lakers because they like LeBron. So are all of those instances going to get self-reported? Are these gambling regulators in all of these states going to start seeking all these players out? Or is an example going to be made of Brad Bohannon in the two major Iowa schools where everybody else gets to have a team meeting, the players delete the apps and act like it never happened? Because if or, you're going to punish everybody or the that's players, done this... Or, or the, the players, coaches, who see no real harm in it, choose to just roll the dice. <sighs> And that's why, going back to the Brad Bohannon thing, I think that there needs to be an irrationally, to some degree, harsh punishment. So you've got something to point to. You've got to have something to point to. Because if Alabama skates, 
and these players at Iowa don't get in trouble, why would a player on Lane Kiffin or Zach Arnett's team listen to them when they say, you can't do this or else? Well, I just won't tell anybody. Nobody got in trouble. I'm going to keep playing DraftKings. Sorry, coach. I'm just not going to tell you. Sure. But but that's the risk that you're running, and that's what these athletics department, uh, the a- athletic departments are having to deal with, right? They're putting the information out there to their staff, to their players. You can't do this. This is a non-negotiable with the NCAA. If you bet on games and you get caught, you will be suspended, and the program will be penalized. Like there's no gray area whatsoever on it. So. I kind of go back to what I was saying yesterday. I wonder if schools have got to more clearly define to their student-athletes what gambling is. Yeah. A paid fantasy football league is gambling. Well, I was going to say, if you're playing fantasy football, and we know college football players all over America are playing fantasy football, you got an offensive lineman group. You got a defensive staff group. You got coaches that are in a league together. You got guys from multiple schools that are playing in leagues together. And if it's a league where there's a prize at the end, or you have to put money in, is that gambling? Is setting your fantasy golf roster on FanDuel or DraftKings gambling? Doesn't really feel like it, but yeah, I think it is. Sports Talk Mississippi. Sports. Sports Talk Mississippi. You know I love sports. On Super Talk Mississippi. We had a couple of people that have texted... Can players or coaches place bets on MMA? I don't know the answer to that. I imagine no. I mean, it's not an NCAA championship, but but my, my thought is no, you can't. It's probably best just to not. I, it, it feels <laughs> like it's kind of a blanket of thing. It just feels like it's a blanket thing. You can't place wagers. Period. Yeah, that's how it feels to me. I could be wrong. Perhaps we should uh, reach out to somebody at State or Ole Miss or Southern who's in compliance, and they can give us a little more information. Maybe yeah, and also, for show. what have you done since all of this happened? What's your, what's your week been like? Mm-hmm. Yeah. An interesting conversation, honestly. Send an email to compliance at olemiss.edu so you can get us an, e- an interview. I'm going to clip your face. I'm going to go in tomorrow and do that. Uh, you really are dead on the inside, aren't you? Oh, oh, God. Yes, 100%. Uh, I was alive last night about 1130 when the, the Lakers won. Who? The Lakers. That team you were making fun of me about on Friday because they lost one game in a seven-game series. Well, we also talked about what the difference in them winning and losing was, and that was whether or not Anthony Davis decided to play for the uh, money that they pay him. 
Yeah, well, he's done that he's, the last two games. He's played quite well the last couple of games and in yeah. game one, and it's funny. They've won those. We, we all don't bat a 1,000 in our takes. Everybody's got some that don't age well. Mike Greenberg, in his $6.5 million a year salary, suggested today that the Lakers should rest their starters for Game 5. Yep. Mm-hmm. Oh, they won by three, didn't they? They did. If you go back and look, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. He thinks that they should when rest was their that starters for Game 5 so they can be rested and ready at home for Game 6. That is a real thing that a $6.5 million a year takesman said out loud in a live program. You call him a takesman? The takesman. I like that. I I like that a lot. Oh, and... um, I mean, they could just win Game 5. And then rest for a few few days while I'm almost positive Suns well, I mean, Nuggets is going. I mean, seven. maybe they're tired. But but it gets they don't worse. Look that tired. So so he said that he also said so the Knicks are struggling against the Heat, um, not because the Heat are really good and Jimmy Butler's playing at a high level and Spolster's a really good coach and they're getting healthier and they're it, no, it's because the New York Knicks are struggling to get acclimated with the temperatures. In Miami. Particularly from Jalen, was how hard it is to go down to Miami and play this time of year. And I know people will immediately associate that with the nightlife and all that. But according to Jalen, there's more than that. There's also just the reality of the temperature change, the heat, the geography, being down there for three days. It sort of saps a little bit of your energy and your strength. We talk about that. Yes. So he's repeating a terrible take by Jalen Rose. But shouldn't you hear that and think, I'm Another not going to say that again? Another the highest order. The, the $6.5 million. That's t- th- those two were both today. Mm. The, the, the idea that the Knicks are struggling against the Heat in a game that is played indoors is because it's hot outside in Miami? That's what you're going with. It's currently seventy four in Miami. <laughs> I, I, I mean, just Quite nice. The, the greatest athletes in the world are struggling. Look, if you wanted to it's sell me, outside? if you wanted to sell me on Phoenix being at a disadvantage when they go to Denver by playing at altitude, like it takes a toll on your body. Okay, but yeah, going to a place where it's like mid seventies to mid eighties. And then you play inside an air conditioning air conditioned building, that seems odd. That, uh, that Wait, seems where, odd. where do you think Jalen Brunson spending his off season? What, you think they're hanging out in Brooklyn or or at at, the, at their apartment in Manhattan? No, when the season's in New over, New York when it's hot and humid in the summer is miserable. When the season's over, they go to Cancun until the season starts again. <laughs> uh, or Miami. Yeah. We got baseball tonight in the SEC, North Florida up on South Carolina in the 8th. Vandy and Louisville playing. Louisville leading Vandy in the 4th. Tennessee and Austin P are scoreless. Kentucky trails Tennessee Tech early. Watch out. Troy's at Alabama. Memphis is at Mississippi State. Auburn's at Samford. Actually, they're playing. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. UT. Rio Grande is at A&M. Northwestern State is at LSU. So a little lighter schedule on this Tuesday night in the SEC. Thanks for being with us.
Fun show this afternoon. Enjoyed our conversation with uh, with Kendall Rogers, also with John Harris. If you missed any of that, you can get it on demand at supertalk.fm or download the podcast for Super Talk uh, Sports Talk Mississippi. For Michael Borky and Brian Hayden, I'm Richard Cross. Enjoy your Tuesday night. Are you a business owner looking for help with HR benefits and payroll? MWG Employer Services offers a wide range of services and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. I was so overwhelmed with HR stuff. MWG Employer Services took all the stress out of it and even set up my payroll. I couldn't be happier. MWG Employer Services is here to help you succeed. Call us today at 601-206-7966 or go to mwgemployerservices.com. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.